Did you know that the Pop Culture Preservation Society depends on support from listeners like you to keep our podcast up and running? We are an independent operation, creating, producing, distributing, and promoting the podcast by ourselves and paying for it out of our own pockets because we love it and we think it's worth it to preserve the well-loved cultural nuggets from our Gen X youth. If you'd like to become a supporter of the PCPS, go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and search for Pop Culture Preservation Society. Our Patreon supporters are like our pit crew, giving us the fuel we need to keep on trucking. And as a Patreon supporter, you'll also get special thank you gifts, like video recordings of our episodes, after the episode discussions, invitations to live events over Zoom, and the occasional blooper delivered straight to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening and for being a part of our society. Hi, this is Christopher Atkins. I'm totally naked. Please watch and listen to the Pop Culture Preservation Society. It is a lot of fun. Wink, wink. <laughs> you must have obviously had some scissors and a razor because Brooke Shields, Emmeline's hair grows and grows, but you know, your hair, you never grow a beard. You no, never, your hair is true. never longer. It looks the same when you're a teenager as it does when you're a little boy. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still waiting for puberty. Oh, is that it? I think you hit it in that movie. No, we, we saw you go through puberty in that movie, Chris Pratt. That's right. In the water, the we saw that? you go through puberty. Yeah, you yeah. swam along as you went through puberty. Hello world, is a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of loving is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who learn to fantasize by watching a young, curly-headed blonde Adonis swimming naked with Brooke Shields in the waters of Fiji. Oh, God. And how. We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear, like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. And today, we'll be saving our Blue Lagoon fantasies by talking with its star, Christopher Atkins, in a once-in-a-lifetime interview that our 12-year-old selves could never, and I mean never, (laughs) ever imagined. I'm Carolyn. I'm Kristen. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists. In our first season, we recorded an episode after the three of us watched the Blue Lagoon together for the first time since laying eyes on Christopher Atkins and Brooke Shields in 1980. This time, We were watching it with adult eyes, post Me Too eyes, post Harvey Weinstein, post a lot of super shitty stuff that we now know happens to child stars. And so that episode is full of shock and fear and protective mama bear instincts Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, 12-year-old googly eyes. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think it, it, um, it hits so differently watching it now at our current age. And I know that we had a lot of DMs and messages saying the same thing, that this is a movie Mm -hmm. that, you know, on one hand we say, oh, it should be left in 1980. I, I think I came away from that, you know, talking about how much I loved, loved, I mean, I could recite dialogue from that movie. I loved that movie. I didn't see it nearly in the same way. And when I was 12 years old, as I did at age 53, however, I came to that conversation having watched it again after decades, 
thinking, oh no, that movie needs to stay mm-hmm. back in 1980, right? Because of a lot of those things you just mentioned, Kristen. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. Until this conversation with yeah. the actual Christopher Atkins. Right. And I know that he was a guest on Brooke Shields' podcast, and they discussed this exact subject. And interestingly, I don't know if you guys know this, but a documentary about Brooke Shields' early career just debuted at the Sundance Film Festival. Oh, I'm excited. It's called Pretty Baby, Brooke Shields. And she openly shares in this documentary her experiences, uh, including critiquing the toxic culture of the time and the power structure Mm -hmm. that perpetuates some of this misogyny that we talk about. And, you know, the sexualization and objectification of young girls. But she also talks about that movie and how it wasn't all just that. So, um, and that's what I think we learned from Christopher. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's a legitimate subject about, you know, culture then versus culture now. So in today's episode, you'll hear that we had the opportunity to interview Christopher Atkins, as Michelle said. And when we heard how he spoke about his experience with Brooke Shields making that movie together, our thoughts started to shift a little bit. And so we weighed our feelings in that first episode that we did about Blue Lagoon against what we had just talked about with the actual people experiencing mm-hmm. it. And we took our episode down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We did. And I think that um, was responsible of us. Yeah. Just because we we had a change of we had a change of thought, right? Um, mm-hmm. It was it was honestly a privilege talking to Christopher Atkins and a good reminder to get all perspectives when you're judging something. We loved having the opportunity to revisit our thoughts on this topic. In this case, it was nice to hear firsthand that everyone felt safe in the filming of this movie. And remembered the experience with warmth and fondness. I mean, both in in Brooke's podcast episode, they just speak so highly of their memories from um, Mm -hmm. making of this movie. It's not that I've necessarily changed my mind completely um, Mm -hmm. about whether or not Blue Lagoon belongs in 1980 and whether it belongs today. I think it probably should stay in 1980, but I've changed my shock about mm-hmm. it. And I'm going to give, even though I still want to protect the children and, and I, we were so fearful that people were being exploited. And when you talk to the actual people involved, they say, no, we were not exploited. So I put that in my pocket and I, you know, yeah. And we move on. I think we were very um, mature in doing that. Like this mm-hmm. is what I want to practice more in my everyday life is not making a lot of assumptions about others and actually taking the time to listen to their stories and their perspectives and will, being willing to change mine a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to note, and and listeners, it, when you hear this uh, uh, interview coming up, you will hear Christopher address this as well. Does this movie belong, Does this should this movie stay in 1980 or does it work today? We're saying, no, it doesn't work today. Christopher Atkins is even saying, He's not saying it doesn't work today because he's still so proud of the movie. And let's be real. This movie was, I mean, blockbuster, all capitals, right? And this movie has Mm -hmm. stood the test of time as for the people who loved it. It changed their lives. Me included. But what Mm -hmm. he says, you'll hear him say coming up is, but you guys, you have to watch it thinking this was 1980. 
he actually will acknowledge, no way. And 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 listeners, please listen to Brooke Shields. Is um, she has a great new podcast called Now What? And um, we're going to put a link to this episode with Christopher Atkins in um, our weekly reader this week. But they actually kind of laugh and they go through a whole laundry list of the things that no way could you do today and get away with. Yeah. She says even like dunking the baby in the water. <laughs> Right? You could never do that. <laughs> but like Chris will say in this this upcoming interview, it's 1980, folks. Like, come on. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, right. That's what it is. You know how I want to watch it again? Drinking. You know what I want? This is how I- Naked? Yeah. <laughs> right. With Christopher Atkins? <laughs> I do want to watch it again with this perspective, because a lot of what we were judgy about was the script writing and the story itself, which can come off kind of comical when you're watching it as a 54-year-old woman in 2023. The funniest line being when Christopher Atkins asks Brooke Shields, how did you get a baby in you? Right? Like that just <laughs> yeah. peals of laughter. Yeah. But if you think about it, that's exactly what would happen if you were stranded on a deserted island <laughs> right. when you were a child and then went through puberty with no encyclopedia and no health class. You'd be like, oh, I have a funny feeling in my penis and I want to put it in there. And <laughs> oh, now there's a baby and we don't know how it got in there. Right. That's exactly what would happen. So they're not, they were just being very, very truthful. Exactly. And whether you judge that as being funny or not. It's true. Yeah. That's totally. Mm-hmm. And now, listeners, it's your turn. It's our great pleasure to invite you into our conversation with this icon of 1980s pop culture, Christopher Atkins. Enjoy. Enjoy. Joining us now is a person who is placed firmly in the timeline of anyone who identified as pubescent in the year 1980. Whether you wanted to marry him or not, you took notice because he was naked. And he was naked on a fantasy island with a girl who was basically your age. And it felt like the whole world was changing. Thanks in part to Christopher Atkins and the puberty drama Blue Lagoon. And it sounds like I'm making fun, but I'm not. Because everybody needs help on that journey, right? And this guy was there for so many people helping us turn the corner into adolescence. So thank you, Christopher Atkins, and welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Wow, that was quite an intro. (laughs) (laughs) You played a big role in people's lives, right? Yes, most definitely. Yeah. Oh, so defining for me. Oh, yeah, it it was... over the years, I've I've heard a, a, a lot of different things of, about that movie. Even to this day, I still get people who will write things about their sexuality or mm-hmm. or uh, growing up with that film. Um, some mm-hmm. people loved it for the beauty, and a lot of people really identified with the beauty and the the sensuality in the film. It was a teacher for a lot of people. It was the first opportunity that a lot of us got to say. I'm having some funny feelings. (laughs) Yeah. But it was such an impactful movie, um, whether it was we saw it over and over at slumber parties and we're pausing it, pausing it, pausing it all the time. (laughs) I was infatuated with the Blue Lagoon. I couldn't get enough of it. And it really wasn't just because we were at slumber parties pausing it. You know, when Christopher Atkins comes out of the water or when he's swimming in the water, there's many things you can think about or say about that movie. But I think it was important um, is mm-hmm. basically what it comes down to. Yeah. For, for at least for me, it was Talk important. Talk to any 54-year-old woman. She'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's very nice. It, it, 
it, it is interesting to it, I mean, it's usually guys pausing. <laughs> but that's yeah. important too and, for, yes, for and, pubescent boys at that age. Maybe mm-hmm. that that's a, that was an important movie for them as well. Then you know. See the the interesting thing to me that that I loved about the film afterwards was the love story aspect of it. It was a very Romeo Juliet picture, and. And I think it really captured everybody's fantasy of this just alone on an island, a beautiful place, uh, these two people finding each other. The innocence of it, I think, really was very dynamic in a lot of people's lives because the fantasy helped move that dynamic. But it also reached and touched a lot of different areas that were not talked about or or and it, mm-hmm. and it yeah and it brought that out um in a very innocent way and and it was interesting because of course everybody talks about the nudity and everything and let me tell you after that movie uh, you'll never see me on a regular beach i'm always on a nude beach if you want to <laughs> see me come say hi i'm on a nude beach okay? <laughs> That's just we'll recognize you Done, over yeah. with yeah absolutely <laughs> god i love you um but uh, it's the, but it was it was it was very interesting. For instance, I have a, a huge gay following after that movie, mm-hmm. and uh, I did an interview with uh, a, a gay magazine in New York City, and uh, they were asking me in the interview, "Do you know why you have such a huge gay following?" And I said, "Well, I mean, besides the obvious, uh, no. Why is there some other reasons?" And he said, no, it's very, very interesting. He said to me that at that point in time in the 80s was the whole AIDS thing and the coming, people were slowly just starting to be able to come out. And here was a movie that celebrated male nudity or a little bit more than female nudity, which had always been. And they felt that this was a movie for them at a time in history where things were just starting to move. So he said, historically, it hit a a nerve at that time and place in history. And I and I never I never thought of it Mm -hmm. that way. I did an interview in the Netherlands not long ago, a couple of years ago. I did a TV interview in the. I had two producers, a male and a female. The female came up to me and said, I knew I wasn't gay when I saw your movie. And the male came up to me and said, I knew I was gay when I saw that movie. <laughs> and, I, and I've heard that over and over and over. But that's the impact that that film has had. Yeah. I, to this day, I'm still getting new f- fans on, on this picture. Wow. That's incredible. That and yeah. I had never put that together before. You are right. This celebrates male nudity far more than it does female nudity. Right. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting. It was a very, I don't know why, but I, I, I guess I think it's my adventurous spirit. I just sure. have, I, I, I'm a real, adv- I love being outdoors. I love sailing and the fishing and scuba diving and hiking and camp. I love the outdoors. I love the whole natural um, world. And so being on this island, literally, which a lot of people, for some reason, don't understand or realize, but we were really on a deserted island. There was nothing on the island. I lived on a boat for the first two weeks that we were filming. Wow. 
because there was no place for me to stay on the island. And then I ended up moving it. The whole crew and everything lived in tents. Oh my. Now there's this beautiful 18-star resort there that only Wait. handles like 15 people at a time or something. And they really capitalized on On that on same movements. island. Yeah, it's a it's a really super super upscale resort on that island. Why couldn't you have just lived in the super cool house that you guys ended up building? Like yeah, that was house. amazing. It had slides yeah, it and awesome. it had a, like an attic, and there was like a yeah. kitchen area. We loved that. That was amazing. That was like that was like Swiss Family Robinson style. Like it was right. crazy it cool. Was. Why couldn't you just? They're like, sorry, cut. Now everybody go back to the tent. <laughs> yep, yeah, I was in a tent. Way down one end of the beach by myself, and and every night I'd ha- walk back from the main camp, and it was probably half a mile to to my tent, and it was one of those. It it was literally like out of the movie. I'm yeah. walking under stars that were so thick. I, like you could brush them away, like they said in uh, Field of Dreams. It, it was amazing. just, it was just, yeah, it was just absolutely unbelievable. It's kind of scary though, because you you literally were going to the other side of the island where you were forbidden to go to because you know some dangerous things happened over there. So right. <laughs> were you ever scared that you were going to see like some bloody offering on a rock? Or <laughs> I need to get my head out of the movie and realize that we're talking about reality, but I just can't do it. Sorry. <laughs> well, the funny thing about it was, is if you look at the stone god, he looks just like the director. So everybody <gasps> jokes that they that they oh built god. it to mimic and, and mock the director as just oh, sort funny. of something fun that nobody would ever know in a million years, but so does, funny. it looks just like him. <laughs> so we, we have the opportunity to talk to you today because you will be one of the guests at the Night of Dreams Teen Idol Dinner Party. This is an event that we're also going to on um, March 12th at the Nixon Library in Yorba Linda, California. If I understand correctly, your table sold out immediately Mm -hmm. like boom i have no idea but that that sounds very exciting yeah (laughs) i think i think your table is sold out but the listeners out there you can just because you don't have a seat at his table doesn't mean that Mm. you can't come to the event and chit chat with christopher atkins um so we've never been to an event like this we've never done any of the nostalgia cons or anything like that we're newbies to this to this um realm do you have any advice for us yeah, like is it have fun. appropriate have or in- fun. appropriate or inappropriate for me to wear a loincloth? Um, no, you can wear you can I would love that. You can wear whatever you want. Can I go topless? Yeah, it's like my I, turn. Can I tape my I just tape my hair down over my nipples? Yes, <laughs> exactly. They're your buppies, Kristen. They're your my buppies. buppies. Yeah, you tape your buppies, my hair yeah. on my buppies. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Gosh. Well, I think I, the events are great and they, they let fans actually have some time with with celebrities that influence their lives or they were part of their lives. And, and it's nice for us because we get a chance to say thank you and see the people that have been such loyal fans and went to see our movies and supported us all these years. And, and it's really important. I think it's a, a lot of fun. And, and the people that do these, for instance, the celebrities that do these, do these because they enjoy – people. There are some celebrities that I have met that I can tell you that would never do this because they just don't want to deal with people. They don't want to talk to them. They don't want to, you know, and that's unfortunate. But I think if you're going to be a celebrity, it's part of the game. And 
and it's and it's very nice and i think it's uh so the people that are will be there are people that you can come up to and say anything to well i want to talk a little bit about the teen idol experience because as you shared one day you're hanging out in rye new york and you're giving you know sailing lessons out east and then another day you're not you're a teen idol what when did you know that that was the case like was there one moment where you're like oh i'm not just that Chris Atkins. I am this new teen idol, Chris Atkins. Was there a particular experience that made you know that? One of these days, ho- hopefully. <laughs> oh, <psh>. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. I'm sure. Yeah, like, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm still trying. I want to uh, be a teen idol. <laughs> Trust me. Okay. I'm a grandpa yeah. teen idol, but I'm going to do it. Teen idol for the rest of us. <laughs> You know, uh, uh, that's a good question. And, and what happened was I went off, I was going to go to Denison University in, in Ohio. Oh, sure. um, mm-hmm. A lot of people from Ryan, the high school I went to, uh, all went, went there. Um, and I ended up getting this movie. Now, I never wanted to be in the movie business, never thought about being in the movie. It was the farthest thing from my world was the movie business. I wanted to play baseball, and it wasn't until my son was like 12 that I was talking to this hitting coach, who's one of the hitting coaches for the Dodgers, and said, hey, do you know that the Phillies were going to draft you? And I went, I turned to my son, and I said, I told you I knew what I was talking about. (laughs) But this was years later. I had all these knee operations in high school, you know, father-sons and their baseball. Oh, yeah. Sure. But um, I had all these knee operations in high school, and it kind of took me out of that. And then this woman that I was teaching sailing to her kids got me involved in modeling, which was the last thing I ever wanted to do because I was always into the sports, and that was my life. And and so then I was going to go into sports medicine. My whole family are doctors. My sister's a PhD in cellular biology at Yale out here, and my brother's an emergency room doctor and ultrasound emergency medicine. So, I mean, and my grandparents were doctors anyway. So I was going to go into uh, sports medicine after the sports didn't work out. So she got this lady t- took pictures of me and sent me into these, this modeling agency that she, her kids were modeling with. And the next thing I know is this guy got me two modeling jobs, one for a cover of a book. And, and I didn't know how to model. I didn't know what modeling was all about. It was a little weird to me, and, you know, but oh my God, I made more money walking in and out of a door with a Smith Corona typewriter than I did all summer <laughs> teaching sailing. Next thing I know is I got into the Ford modeling agency and then through Ford, I, I started auditioning for movies. And when I auditioned for Blue Lagoon, I thought, oh, this is kind of cool. I can tell all my friends, oh, I read those lines. I I, I went and met on that movie when it comes out. Little did I know I'd, I, I, I had no thought in a million years. I was one of 4,000 kids who auditioned for that movie. Wow. Wow. So – it was a uh, shot in the dark, but, and then when I got it, I said, no, I was on my way to, I, I was going to miss the train because I was playing softball for Ford and I didn't want to miss the game. And I said, no, 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 I gotta, I gotta go. I, you know, I don't know anything about making movies. I don't, I, I can't, I can't do it. And they were like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. <laughs> they don't understand. I said, I, I it's a, it's a, back at that time. It was a $4 million picture. I said, there's still only two people in the whole movie. I said, I, I, that's 2 million bucks on my head. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. And the, mm-hmm. then the casting director said, we wouldn't have cast you if we didn't think you, you could do it. So anyway, that was, that was that. But, uh, I, I went off and made the picture and I was gone for four and a half months on this deserted Island in the middle of Fiji. And when I came back, everybody was already at school. College had already started. And that was a very weird time for me because 
it was all a dream. What happened to me? Where is everybody? I'm at home. I have nothing to do. I don't know what to do. Uh, I'm not working. I'm not doing anything. I haven't heard anything from the movie people. That was gone. And it wasn't for a month or two when things started coming to me, for instance, to do looping on the film mm -hmm. or to do these little things. And then Columbia Pictures then started getting more and more um, communicative with me about interviews and this whole thing. And then they realized what they wanted to do, I guess, after they saw the movie was send me on a tour for literally almost two years, a year and a half. Wow. Um, all over the world. So that's when everything really changed. And, and I guess, uh, I, I literally the, the movie took me from a sailing instructor to this, the movie star in 1980. Oh. It was Columbia Pictures biggest picture in 1980. Absolutely. And they literally had, uh, the police and Rye had to run somebody out of town like they did in the Wild West because they were sleeping in their car in front of my parents' house oh. waiting for me to come home. Oh, my God. You know, yeah, things like this. All of that started. Anywhere I went after that picture, we were on every single TV show. We were on every single uh, magazine. Uh, I, I did interviews with Andy Warhol. I was on the cover of Interview oh Magazine. Gosh. I mean, oh, yeah, you can look, find that online. I mean, all kinds of amazing things, but this was all over the world. So, yeah, overnight, literally yeah. overnight, my entire life changed. Wow! Do they Incredible. give you any? Do they give you any support in terms, like mentally, how to deal with all this? Because that had to really be hard and messing with your mind a little. Do you get any advice, or do they give you a therapist or anything? <laughs> Alcohol. Oh, I was just yeah. about to oh ask. God. No, but I was actually, yeah. in all seriousness, about to ask you that. Is that yeah. when you kind of started down that path? It was the 80s. And Watch it was it, it, the 80s. Every single solitary party, and especially every Hollywood party, had mm. everything just laid out. Oh, I we mean, grew it up was in all, the 80s. It was, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was all there. People say that you either went, survived, went through rehab, or died from That's the 80s. Wow. That's so true when you yes. think about it. Yeah. So uh, uh, anyway, um, n n no, nobody gave me any. Uh, there was none of that. Okay. As a matter of fact, what was the most difficult, um, and people don't understand this, <clears throat> is it's not it's not easy. I mean, filmmaking isn't easy at all. It's very, very difficult. It's not all sunglasses and you know, autographs. <laughs> it's a, it's a lot of hard work and long, long, long days. I mean, hard work. Um, and then afterwards, for instance, the junkets and when they sent me on tour, I would have breakfast and never be able to eat breakfast, lunch or dinner because they would have a line of interviewers one after another, after another, after another. And then they'd ask the same questions over and over and over for their magazines. So you'd have to make it fresh for each single person when, when you're, you're talking to them. Yeah. And it, you never got to eat and you, you were saying the same things over and over all over the world for two years. It, it's kind of in, insanity. Mm -hmm. Um, but 
it's the way that, that, that it works. I mean, that's the marketing aspect. That's, that's mm-hmm. what you, you have to do. And uh, I mean, you, you look back and you go, wow, that was cool because, uh, how many people actually get that opportunity in the movie business that come to California with the dreams of being a movie star and actually get that brass right. ring? Mm-hmm. You know, and so I'm very fortunate that I was, didn't even want it and I got that brass ring yeah. and I met a lot of very wonderful people. I saw a lot of great, great things and, uh, traveled and saw a lot of, uh, wonderful, countries so i was very fortunate in that respect but the movie was like you said it's it's still endearing and it's still mm-hmm. long lasting after all of these years people have, I have big one feelings fun story i want to share with you yeah big feelings this is something fun i want to share with you we heard from uh, this is probably about one of those events that you were just talking about we heard from a woman named cindy who landed in the pages of 16 magazine thanks to you and she said she was standing in a line that wrapped around the block to get a signature from Christopher Atkins. And the day before she had broken her leg and she was on crutches Uh. and she had a a cast from her foot all the way up to her thigh. And your people saw her waiting in the line on her crutches and brought her to the very front of the line. And she got, I don't know if you can see this at all, but she got to be the very first signature with you and you signed Uh. her cast. (laughs) So I had to ask her. So that uh, picture is from 16 Magazine. So I was like, did you keep the cast? Because you don't have that cast on your leg forever. She said she did keep the cast in a trash bag for years and years and years until her mom was like, this thing stinks. You cannot oh keep it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it smelled so bad. She was oh like, no, my mom, gosh. I have to keep it. Oh. Mom wasn't having it and made her get rid of the cast in the trash bag. Oh, that was probably traumatic for her. Yeah, I but know. that was probably also before eBay because if eBay would have been around, she could have smelled, sold <laughs> that smelly imagine? cast for probably you know thousands yeah. and thousands of dollars, right? I'm imagining that was sort of a common occurrence for you, uh, lines of people around the block waiting for your signature. Uh, back then, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I don't. Nobody recognizes me anymore, which is well. Okay. Okay. Can we ask you a question? Yeah. Yeah. Kristen. I mean, that's because the you, hair. Have, you have beautiful hair, but it's straight <laughs> hair, and that is your natural hair. That's my natural hair. Whose idea was it for the curly hair? Because it became so iconic, and it's not yeah. your hair. Yeah. No, uh, the director always saw that character as a Greek Adonis, just that oh, you know that curly okay, Greek sure. Adonis look. And so that's why they kept curling my hair and curling. When I was done with that film, sorry about the mic. When I was done with that film, I looked like Albert Einstein. My hair was all broken <laughs> and sticking funny. straight up. It was awful. Well, awful because they permed it, constantly yeah. perming it. Oh, God, oh my yeah. gosh. Well, it begs the question on that island for so many years, you must have obviously had some scissors and a razor because Brooke Shields, Emmeline's hair grows and grows. But, you know, your hair, you never grow a beard. You no, never, your hair is true. never longer. It looks the same. <laughs> When you're a teenager, as it does when you're a little boy, <laughs> I'm still I'm still waiting for puberty. Oh, is that it? I think you hit it in that movie. No, we we saw you go through puberty in that movie, Chris Pratt. Right. In the water, the we saw you go through puberty. Yeah, you yeah. swam along as you went through puberty. How long did they make you keep the curly hair? Well, I had to keep – listen, every movie after that, if you look at the pirate movie, they right. wanted me in the curly hair and everything. The only movie was A Night in Heaven where I finally got to break That's out true. of the curly hair. And I kept telling people the interviews and stuff. I said, I can't wait till one day when they ask me to do a movie to keep my clothes on. I- 
now I'm there. Now, right. Nobody wants to see it. Yeah. Now right. I'm there. But well, but we even were- then, it was only three years ago, I think, that I did uh, a play in Australia where I had to be butt naked on stage. Oh, God. Well, it's only wow. people recognize you, Christopher Atkins. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny Eyes about that? Eyes up here. Yeah, the, hair, so the hair thing, though, is that I was a huge fan of Dallas because my mom watched Dallas. So I got to watch Dallas probably way earlier than I should have watched Dallas. I don't know. I had seen Blue Lagoon, pirate movie, so I knew the curly hair. So when you show up on Dallas as Sue Ellen's much younger you know, she's a cougar, right? You Boy know, toy. Mm-hmm. but she I was remember, the first cougar. I <laughs> remember you very specifically from Dallas. Tell you a funny story oh, about Dallas though. Quick please was, uh, all right. I got a call from my manager when I was doing Dallas uh, and he said, the network wants you to quit stuffing your speedo. And I said, excuse me. I didn't even know what stuffing was at that time. <laughs> And he said, he was laughing. He said, yeah, that's the note you got from the network was the stuff. I said, oh, come on. They've got to be kidding. You're this like, is like a joke, I'm right? I'm so sorry. That's April Fool's. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I, I've never been complimented exactly. that way before. <laughs> I don't know, Carolyn or Kristen, if you watch Dallas, but um, Christopher's mm-hmm. I'm character going to was a swim coach. Yeah. <laughs> oh. You can watch the Speedo. You can find a lot of clips on YouTube of- um, I've signed a lot of Speedo pictures. You so. can oh, go God. back oh, and so find funny. Dallas clips of Christopher and the Speedo, because when I found this out, I remember going, was that Christopher Atkins? And you can search, but he was the swim coach of Sue Ellen and um, JR's little boy, um, just it. the more you know. But um, right. okay, so- Chris, uh, Chris, we recently um, listened to your conversation with Brooke Shields on her podcast called Now What? Listeners, check it out. It's a new podcast and delightful. Um, and it was so fun to hear the two of you back together and talking about your memories of Blue Lagoon. Could you just tell us about what you remember filming it with your, because we're all, you know, Brooke Shields is a huge Gen X icon of ours as well. We were all infatuated with Brooke Shields. And so one, we loved Blue Lagoon because she was in it too, but we were infatuated with this whole romance idea and both of you going through very real, real feelings that we were all going through at the time, at the age we were watching the movie, um, to, to kind of what was your relationship like during the movie? We all want to know that you were 18. She was 14. Um, to kind of now you, it's, it seemed to us in this, um, her podcast now what that you guys have really, you, your, your friendship and your respect for each other has really endured all these decades. Well, yeah, we spent four and a half months together mm-hmm. on a deserted island, and we were the the only two close to each other's age on that island. And right. she had done movies before. She did the um, Pretty Baby. What was it? Pretty she had Baby. Done Pretty Thank Baby. You. Yeah. She, mm-hmm. yeah. She had done Pretty Baby, and she was a very famous model. And I didn't know who she was. I'd never saw Pretty Baby, and and I just remembered the Scavulo model thing, and I I remembered. Uh, the big hubbub about taking a 12 year old girl and making her look like she's 20 right. back then. And yeah. that was a whole big scandal and all that. Um, the director literally put a picture of her over my bunk in the boat when, where I was living. And I was there two weeks before she got there. And, uh, he wanted me to fall in love with her before she got there. Like, in, in real so life, that, he wanted you to fall in love in, with her? Yeah, in real life. Well, because it shows on camera. So he, he wanted, yeah, so he wanted, he wanted, uh, me to fall in love with her and, 
and all of that. And she was 14. She was very young and innocent. I mean, I think I was the first guy to ever actually kiss her. And, and her, her mom wanted that to happen. Um, but it was very, it was very sweet and it was very innocent. Like, for instance, we both enjoyed walking around the beach and collecting the shells and, and I would talk to her about things. Um, she also, she, I'll never forget a time that she was telling me about, uh, the business at 14, super intelligent girl Mm -hmm. and the business and how she desperately wanted, um, black velvet. And I think Tatum O'Neill got it. Mm-hmm. And she was very into horses at the time and all of this. And she was explaining about. Oh, National Velvet. Is that National, National Velvet? Velvet. Yeah. Thank oh, right, you. Yes. Right. National Velvet. Yeah. And, uh, and she was just explaining to me about ups and downs in the business and dreams and hopes and wishes and things don't go and how to deal with all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, we had our, our little kids spats too. I mean, I, I don't really spat with anybody but uh, there were t- just times where uh, we're humans you know we yeah, get right. cranky but uh, we like you said it, it, if it was anything that was um i mean honestly anything that was a big deal or a dr- very dramatic we wouldn't be talking to each other mm-hmm. and we right. wouldn't have that that that's respect right. mm-hmm. Yeah, and you were stuck on um, an island together i mean that's a little yeah, exactly yeah well, and, and, and she was 14 very, very maybe um, uncomfortable situations at times for one or the other of I'm, you. I'm naked yeah. going down a slide, full frontal naked <laughs> in front of this 14-year-old girl. And and I mean, and it was very natural. It, it, I, I know today's day, everybody wants to jump on the whole thing about uh, pedophiles and this and that and the whole. No, this was a very, very safe, very innocent movie mm. and this is just life i mean it okay. wasn't there was no weirdness at all whatsoever but this is the reality and so it was it was things like that and we even mm-hmm. talked about it in the podcast yeah mm-hmm. you did you know, we, and so it, those were the fun the fun silly stories that that we have and people just take things way too seriously these days and they make big deals out of it for what, for their own attention. I, I, I can only assume, but, mm-hmm. um, it was a, it was a very special time. It, that movie wasn't a f- making a film. It was a, 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 a piece of life. Um, right. it, it has never gone away. It was, uh, something that was a life experience rather than just to make, I've made over a hundred movies, but that was a life experience. And I know it was for her too. It was a very big deal. She was growing up. She turned 15 on the Island. Um, a lot of things were, were changing with her at the time, which worked for the film. Um, uh, she was a, a, a beautiful girl. We we had our little romance. We didn't have our little romance. We always had our friendship. It was just uh, a very. It was a very interesting, but as I always like to say, very magical time yeah. in both our lives. I think people should um, should watch Blue Lagoon. Should listen to this interview first, and then watch Blue Lagoon because I think this context is really important. Because people mm-hmm. could really jump to some scary places. I can, I mean, I can see myself doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure when you just look at at the at the 
movie without taking these words into consideration. It changes things dramatically. And oh, it's, for sure. It's really the epitome of cinema verite is what you're telling us is that they were telling the truth about what would happen on an island with people this age as they grew up. Right. This is what would happen. This right. Being truthful. And that's, but the eighties were a different story than now. Sure. Do you see what I mean? So the, oh, sure. so the eighties was a huge change in, a, in, in history in a lot of different ways. Like I had mentioned before, mm-hmm. you, you could do these things. Things were a lot more relaxed. Now it seems everybody wants to jump on something, whatever they can to make it different but it's wrong it's wrong everything's wrong everything's wrong everything's wrong and that's just wrong i mean and it and like you said now if you looked at your brain would go oh my god because that's what's out there right now Mm -hmm. instead of stop for a second relax time out what what's what's really going on and here you you are talking about how this movie impacted you back then but as parents yep. now, you're looking at it going, oh, I can't believe they did that, right? Yep. And then at the same time, it we did and it was okay. Right. That's been one of the, the um, benefits, I think, and joys of this podcast for me, frankly, is revisiting these movies or TV shows, whatever, or situations um, as an adult. But we at the same time look back and be like, we could like that then. Like, that's okay. We can honor how we felt mm-hmm. and who we were in 1980 and how we approached Blue Lagoon and loved it. Um, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that because that's who we were then. And I love being able to have that discussion with my two co-hosts and knowing that that's okay, that I don't have to be embarrassed to say, well, I kind of really like Blue Lagoon and, <laughs> you know, this is why. It's really a, a nice thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what's great uh, about listening to you is because a lot of people can't now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely. can't, mm-hmm. and that's and that's a shame. I want to ask you about your 1982 film, uh, the pirate movie with Christy McNichol, which also interestingly has another big cult following. We wanted to ask you one. Do you keep in touch at all with Christy McNichol because she is also going to be at this event? Have you seen her? Do you keep in touch? What is that like? I, I do keep in touch with Christy, and she's one of the probably only stars that, besides a Brooke, that I've actually kept in contact contact with over these years. It. And I just absolutely adore Christy. I love her to death and would do anything for her. She's just a, a, a tremendous human being. And I always said, if you could harness Christy, Christy you could probably light all of Australia because the girl <laughs> has more energy than anybody I've ever met in my life. But oh, wow. She's, uh, you know, she's, she's great. And, and, uh, we've been doing autographs during COVID. People were buying autographs. And so she would sign and then send it to me. And then I would sign. So they get both signatures. Oh, wow. And a lot wow. of times you can't get both signatures. So we were constantly in contact all over that. And, uh, she asked me to do something for her over Christmas and, uh, to do a little video for something she was working on. And, Things like that. So, yeah, I, Christy's great. wonderful. Oh, we love to know that. Christy's Do you love to hear that? Do you think and she's so, so happy. She is so super talented. Since you guys are still in touch, do you think maybe on March 12th at this little teen event we're all going to, you and Christy could please reenact that great montage, um, How Can I Live Without You, from the pirate movie? That movie 
is so funny to me because it's got all adult humor, but the kids don't see that yet. <laughs> right. So they right. they just see the goofy, silly, listen to the great songs or whatever else. And then the adults are like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> because it's it's very over the top. And it's a, it was really interesting, that picture, because I, I'll never forget, I, I was at uh, uh, the, the uh, uh, American Film Festival in Los Angeles. And I got stopped by someone. And they said, oh, you're that that guy in, uh, and I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Blue Lagoon. They go, no, 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 the pirate movie. <laughs> uh, and I went, you saw it because it didn't do huge or uh -huh. anything at the box office, but it became, there's a generation where it became a massive cult following. Yes. I mean, massive. I actually have a gold album from, from, uh, oh, that's Australia great. because my song went gold on there. You're kidding. I, wow. No, it was really cool. And I keep telling my kids, I have a gold album. Yeah. And they're like, <laughs> Dad, you can't sing. I know, but I have a gold album. to bring this to a close you've given us so much of your time and we're so appreciative we don't want to monopolize you for too long so we're going to bring this to a close by having just a little bit of fun these are questions we'd like to ask our guests um just to sort of show them um that you know stars are people too that you grew up just like we grew up and um so let's give people a little inside insight to who christopher atkins was growing up okay first question what was the first album you owned it's great that you say album. I know. <laughs> That's very on purpose. I love that. Mm -hmm. Wait, or 8-track. I was laughing about like. it. 8-track would yeah. work too. I, well, I like album. And, and it, it, it's funny. I was watching just recently uh, uh, one of those Instagram videos or something. A dad keep putting a rotary phone in front of his two kids oh, yeah? saying, here, can you figure out how to uh -huh. use this? Uh -huh. And they couldn't figure out how to go all the way around, right? It was how would you so do funny. <laughs> it's true. You'd be dead before they uh, got there. What was the first album? Wow, that's such a good question. I think it was probably Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. <gasps> yes. That was my husband's, I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Do you still have that in your collection? Do you still listen to it? Uh, oh, I still listen to it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And All right, here's your second question. What was the first concert you ever went to? I think it was The Who at Shea Stadium. Oh, and then, you my husband. Iconic. And, yeah. and then, <laughs> and then uh, a buddy who lives nearby here, we were talking just yesterday because I, my daughter gave me Alexa. I'm growing up, everybody. I have Alexa. Alexa, turn the light on. Okay. My lights go on right and now. Then, and, and, so, and so I, I said to Alexa, we were, we were sitting here and I said to Alexa, I said, uh, oh, I, I gotta be quiet. Play some who? And, and we started talking. He was saying that, he, uh, he went to this great concert. It uh, shaced him. I said, I was there. I went to that same one. Oh, and he's my age, right? So That's that so was cool. Yeah. That's something world. to bond over right there. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. What was your favorite TV show when you were 12 years old? 
Do you remember H.R. Puff and stuff? Yes, oh, of, course. of course we do. We've done episodes yes. on Sid and Marty Croft shows here. <laughs> we love them. I, th- I think b- I, I might have been a little bit younger than 12. Sure. But uh, I loved Sea Hunt, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Mm. Um, of course, there was always, I, I, I'm not sure if the Brady Bunch or the Partridge family came a little yeah. bit later. But okay. I loved all those. And Johnny Quest. Ooh, I love those shows. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so I was fun. so afraid of HR Puff and stuff. So scary. Oh. Witchy poo more yeah. than HR Puff. Witchy and have you seen it? Have you seen it lately? I mean, gone back <laughs> right. and looked at it. I go, was I? Was I? I, I want to use you, the R you word. Like, but yeah, I know. Right, right. <laughs> no, what's wrong with you? Taking little acid, exactly. acid squares when you were six. I mean, you I had like, to have been oh, right. To enjoy it. Yeah. Witchy poo. Oh, no. Right. She still scares me. She's so scary. Right. Okay. The magic flute. What (sighs) posters did you have on your walls? I don't know if I was a poster guy. I don't remember posters. Okay. Uh, no Farrah Fawcett or anything like that? No. I got got assigned Farrah Fawcett years later because I knew her, but. Oh, of course. Of course. course, Yeah. Right. (laughs) The one poster that I remember that I had when I was young was uh, I had a poster of the world. And my buddy and I at the time, I said, I want to sail around the world. And I would put pins and stuff. And this is what I wanted to do. So I'm still wanting to at least sail the Caribbean sometime, someday. I want to do that. But that's what that was was one thing that I for sure had. Okay. Here's our here's our last question. You were so many people's first crush. Who was your first celebrity crush? Celebrity crush? Yeah. <sighs> Probably Cheryl Teagues or mm. Christy Brinkley. Oh, oh good choices, good yeah. Cheryl Teagues. One last thing before we go. Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, in about an hour and a half, I, I have uh, a meeting for a picture that I'm going to be directing. Oh, oh that was my next question. So please we, tell us what you're doing yes, now. Yes, tell us. Well, I, I did a picture in Czech Republic uh, two years ago uh, or a year ago. And, uh, but I've, uh, there are two boxes that I haven't ticked off in the business. And that is making my own film. I've made, I've been in everybody else's movie for 40 years, but I want to make a movie now. It's my turn. Um, so I, I, I want to do that and I wanted to direct one. And I wrote this horror thriller for a friend of mine years and years and years ago. And all of a sudden, uh, a company has come out of uh, Las Vegas. They want to make the picture. I, they want me to direct it, just sign the, the deal. And so, uh, we're going to find out this afternoon when, uh, pre-production starts and, and we'll go and direct it. What's so the, I'm very, the title's called Bangers and it's, it's based on Minoan mythology of bangers who bang human skulls upon the earth to announce the uh, death to the soul. So if you hear the bangers, you know that death is coming for you. Oh. So anyway, so it's it's exciting because I'm also working on another picture that I've got going in Australia that I wrote um, uh, called Lucky Valentine. And it's a beautiful, funny, funny picture um, that's heart and soul, uh, family film, but it's about a, an American baseball player, uh, who 
goes to Australia and gets roped into having to play cricket with a bunch of wacko, colorful Australians. And it's love a it. fish out of water and I it's hysterical. It. It's just really fun. So I'm working that? on that. Well, it's not out yet. We're, okay. we're still putting the finances together for that. We okay. just need to raise a little bit more money, but uh, it's all... So There's we need company, to keep our eye on you. A company called Resistor Films has it out there, and we're putting that together. Yeah, Lucky Valentine. It's a really good movie. And you that wrote it. A lot of you fun. Said. So yeah, yeah. I've got I've wow. got three going right now that I've written that uh, uh, are starting to happen. This is an exciting time for you. It sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of a lot of very exciting things going on. Absolutely, congratulations. A lot of very yeah, so congratulations. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm going to show up on on set as the director in a loincloth, and that ought to set the tone <laughs> oh, for the rest of the horror. Snap them to attention. The horror film. You know what? That's all. <laughs> that's how you get your funding. That's Chris. scary. That's, <laughs> no, that's how you get your funding. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know what? We're going to try really hard on March 12th, Chris, to kind of tap down our 12-year-olds when we meet all of you in person. But we are very <laughs> oh. excited. Um, we are very excited to say hello. <laughs> oh, and, um, and you know, great to meet you We look forward to seeing you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. thank you. It was wonderful meeting you girls. All right. If you have any other questions you want to talk some more, then don't hesitate to, <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, to oh, let me know. We won't. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. Okay. All righty. Thanks, Thanks so much. so much. Have all a right. good day. Okay. Thanks. Bye. 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 Many, many thanks to Christopher Atkins, a true icon of the 1980s for we Gen Xers, for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you for listening today. And if this inspires you to watch Blue Lagoon tonight, send us a message and tell us what you thought after hearing what Christopher Atkins has to say about it. And this is serious. We can have legit book club about Blue Lagoon. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yes, you, you guys, this interview was so fun. And we're actually excited to share with you some video clips from our interview with Christopher. Because guess what? We now have a YouTube channel, and that's where we'll be sharing and putting up some of those clips. So if you would like to find us on YouTube, you can simply go to YouTube.com and put Pop Culture Preservation Society in the search bar. You'll see clips from this interview along with lots of other fun PCPS stuff. Besides our YouTube channel, we also include fun information in our weekly reader newsletter. If you're not already a subscriber, you can sign up on our website, poppreservationists.com or on our link tree on Instagram. That's right. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast where you listen. And please take just a moment to click those stars and leave a review because you guys, that is tremendously helpful to us. We don't know how, but it is. Um, (laughs) And we are giving a supersized thank you as always to our supporters on Patreon. Today, we are giving a big thank you, a huge high five, and a really, really big e-hug to Valerie, Sharon, Ashley, Beth, Natalie, Tracy, Margaret, Sherry, Tanya, and Linda. I hope you can feel our hug. Mm, Squeezing. Yes. (laughs) Squeezing hard. In the meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast, courtesy of the cast of Three's Company. Two good times. Two happy days. To Little House on the Prairie. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers! The information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Hello, Society podcast belong solely to Carolyn, the crushologist, and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, there is always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanu, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you. Love and it will keep moving on Something I